0: Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento, and we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Thank you for being here this morning, 11 o'clock. You guys are a little bit more awake this morning, amen? You guys are there. Okay, the 9 o'clock, I was like milking them along. I'm like, we'll get coffee afterwards. Um, hey, if you don't know who I am, my name is Sam. I'm the youth pastor here along with my wife Carly. She's 40 weeks pregnant right now. Uh, wait, that's a lie, 37, but we're close, you know, kind of forgot. Um, she's going to be bringing our son who's going to be a world changer. His name is Maverick Michael into the world in, in actually 10 days. So I'm um, super pumped about that. I've been in an emotional mess because I'm going to be a dad. I don't, I don't know what's going on with me. I feel weird. I've been crying a lot. Pray for your boy. Um, but I want to give uh, honor where honor is due before I begin. I do this every time. You guys can grow accustomed to it. I think we have the absolute best leaders in the world. I feel honored and privileged to be a part of Project Church. I I can't believe that, That more people every single week, I mean, we just, like I said, VIPs every week, we've been having like over 350 new people since we've come here, and it's direct correlation to how great the leadership is. If you've never had the chance to meet Caleb and Chrissy Cole, our lead pastors, you got to. Can we give them some honor real quick? Thank you, guys. I can tell you my life is better because of you guys, but I I won't do it again. I gave them a love letter during the 9 a.m. I'll move on. (laughs) But we're in a series, if you didn't know, called Marked by Jesus. It's a three-year journey. And um, today we're in a, a collection of talks, a four-week series called the End Time Essentials. Anybody been enjoying End Time Essentials in here? Okay. There's a lot of notes to be had because it is a lot. But we believe that there's a lot of power and truth in it. So if you're taking notes today, I've labeled my message, What You Keep Forgetting. What You Keep Forgetting. And we're going to be reading through Mark chapter 13, verses 19 through 27. And you know, I was thinking about the end times and I know the reason why for so many of us that that we don't understand the end times is a few things. Number one, we just skipped over it. Like we've read everything. We love Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and coming back from the grave. We love Easter and Christmas. But when it comes to Jesus returning, like we don't understand it. We've read it and it's like, yo, this makes no sense. And so we've just moved past it, or maybe it's been misportrayed. You've driven through, you know, Sacramento. You said the signs, repent or go to hell. And like, you're like, yo, I don't even want to know about this. And so for a lot of us, we're like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know about the end times. I just love coming and, you know, hearing an encouraging message and worshiping. It, all, it feels great. But I want to tell you that it is important that we understand what's happening when Jesus talks about the end times. Um, I'm going to tell you it's not all doom and gloom. It's actually good news. Jesus is coming back with victory for us. It is not a bad thing. It is a great thing. And so today I want to remind you, Christian, if you're in here and you're like, yo, I brought my friend and I've been trying to get him here for a year and we're talking about this, relax, it won't be weird, okay? This is going to be a great message. I believe God's going to speak to us. And just remind yourself, if you're ever feeling like, yo, this is a little weird, remind yourself that our faith is built on a man coming back from the dead, okay? So I promise you this ain't that weird, all right? But today we're going to be reading through Mark chapter 13. And um, I really felt the Lord was stirring my heart to today really talk about the most rich commodity that we've ever been given. Do you know what it is? Something that we can't earn. It's not popularity. It's not even performance. It's not a career. But it's our time. Time something that you can't earn more of. It's not something that you can pay back to get more of. You can't redeem the time. So today I felt like, man, if there's anything I can encourage you with from what I think Jesus was saying in scripture is that we don't waste our time in 2021. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible actually refers to you and I as sojourners. A sojourner is simply somebody that they would refer to as a wanderer or a traveler. Now, if you're telling me I'm in California, I live here and I'm a a wanderer, I would tell you that you're crazy because I know this place. But the picture that the Bible is trying to illustrate for us is that we're living on a temporary planet before we go to the place that Jesus has made for us, a perfect place. We're living on a planet right now that's not perfect, it's pain filled. We're living in a planet right now where there's social injustice, there's political injustice, there's like all these things going on. And Jesus wants you to know that we're, we're wanderers, we're travelers, we're here for a little bit of time and then we're gone. But the place that he's prepared for us is a place with no anxiety, a place with no fear, a place that is perfect. And I think, if I could venture to say this, a place where we all have a six pack, it's a dream, it's a dream, you know, of mine, I'm believing for. <laughs> but Romans 8.22 actually says it like this, that all of creation is groaning. And now we think, we think of groaning as, as pain. We think of it as a horrible experience, but I'd like to submit this thought that when the Bible says that all of creation is groaning, it's because everybody collectively in the world as individuals is, is longing for something greater that's in this planet longing for purpose, longing for hope, longing for something that this world cannot give us to satisfy us. And can I tell you the only thing that it is, this whole world is longing for Jesus and they don't even know it. They're longing, but they don't know that it's for Jesus. And this is what I was getting at a time when when I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, was that you and I, we we have this propensity at times to procrastinate, don't we? Like we've been given time, but we are really good at procrastinating. Uh, This is real for me, I'm gonna be honest with you. A couple weeks ago, my wife here was going to take maternity photos. First of all, I didn't even know I needed to go to this. Turns out I did. So um, obviously not knowing I needed to go, I ran late. I always run late. Young adults in the room, raise your hand. Raise your hand loud and proud. Young adults, come on. They're all like scared about it. I, you know, young at heart. I see some young at heart people raising their hands. Good for you. Love you so much. Um you know, young adults, they kind of have this, like, idea, ideology of, like, 15 minutes late is right on time. I'm totally in there. Like, if I'm, if I'm 15 minutes late, I'm like, no, this is, like, this is a good time to show up. Party's just starting. And I did the same thing when we were taking maternity photos. My wife's like, hey, we have to go. And I'm like, all right, we got to leave when? Like, 15 minutes? All right, give me 10 minutes, I'll get up. I'm watching ESPN. All right, I got to watch ESPN. And she's like, we got to go now. And so I get up. Takes me longer than I should to get ready. I had to make sure my hair's right, right? I had to make sure I had the right shoes on. I looked good. We get out the door. Um, I was shocked because I normally wait for her. She was waiting for me. And we get out the door. We go take pictures. We show up to the restaurant. I was going to, you know, pay for the meal for everybody that was there. And, and when I get there, we all have this thing that we do before we leave the house. If you're a man especially, you get the pat down, right? Keys, phone, wallet, whatever else you might have. The essentials, the end time essentials. No, I'm just kidding the essentials that you bring with you. And I'm like patting down and I get to the restaurant, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and my wife, she already knows. She gave me the look, married people, you know what the look is I'm talking about. It's that one, that' like, hey, we're talking later. She gave me the look and I'm like, oh no. She's like, you did not. And I'm like, I forgot my wallet again. A lot of you know this about me if you've been to dinner, coffee, lunch, brunch, that you've blessed me because I forgot my wallet. So if that happens, just know that it's not on purpose, but thank you ahead of time for your generosity. (laughs) God's going to honor you for that. But I'm like, I didn't have my wallet. And I was thinking about this, how I I just procrastinate so much. We do it with school and career and all these things. And I think humanity has a knee-jerk reaction at times to procrastinate. And I don't want to be the Christian at the end of my walk, the end of my life, my time on earth where I've done everything I possibly could if I was successful, I got the money, I got the family, I got everything, but I get to heaven just like when I forget my wallet, I get to the destination and forget that I brought, or I didn't bring the most important thing with me. Friend, I think that the most important thing we can bring with us at the end of this life is not possessions because we don't bring those. The most important thing that we can bring with us at the end of this life is the people that we helped along the way. And I don't want to get to the end and be so rich with possessions, but bankrupt of love for people. Today, I think that that's our goal. If we're gonna use our time here on earth well, we just gotta get really great in loving people well. Can you imagine the local church known for loving people again? Man, if we could be the hands and feet like that, I think that we could be really successful in what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, so in Mark chapter 13, I'm gonna read these verses for you in a moment. But in Mark chapter 13, um, you got to understand context. Jesus, he's responding to the disciples. They're like, "Um, Jesus, when are all these temples that I said were beautiful? When are they going to be broken down? Jesus said, you know, not one stone will be left on top of another. And then he goes on this long spiel about the end times. Now, it's important to understand that when Jesus is having this discussion with the disciples, he's going to be crucified on a Friday. He's having this discussion with them on a Wednesday. Like, understand this. When we're having a conversation, we realize it might be one of the last conversations we have with them, we really listen, don't we? And one of the last warnings that Jesus gives the disciples about the end time was this, paraphrased, don't waste your time on things that do not matter. Can you imagine if we didn't waste our time on things that don't matter on social media and watching things that don't matter in relationships we shouldn't be in, in jobs that we're not meant to be in? But a lot of times we we know this, we waste our time because we have a propensity to procrastinate. And I want to implore you this morning that we just begin even right now to evaluate, man, what are the things in my life that I should be doing and I shouldn't be doing because this life, the Bible says it's but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow, I don't want to waste my time if it's just a vapor. I want to be intentional with every moment that I've got. So um, I'll tell you this, t- turn with me real quick to Mark chapter 13. I'm reading out of the message version. If you've got your U version Bible app, your Glow Bible, turn there now, otherwise it'll be on the screen. Before I read this, I'd like to tell you that if you show me where your time is invested, I could probably show you what your goals are. Show me where your time is, I'll show you what your target is. Wherever you invest the most of your time, I can tell you what you really want in life. And so today I want you to really focus on what are the things that I'm investing most of my time in, and is that something that I want to say that's part of my legacy, that's what I want to bring with me. Because for me, at the end of my day, I'm just going to be honest, I'd rather be, have nothing at the end of this life but have so many people that are going to heaven with me. That's the goal of this life. That is a successful life. And in Mark chapter 13, verse 19 through 27, Jesus here is responding to the disciples. And what I'm getting is he's paralleling about the time that we're using. Verse 19, it says this. These are going to be hard days, nothing like it from the time God made the world right up to the present. There'll be nothing like it again. If he let the days of trouble run their course, nobody would make it. But because of God's chosen people, those he personally chose, you and I, He's already intervened. Now, if anybody tries to flag you down, calling out, look, here's the Messiah or points, and says, there he is, don't fall for it, for fake messiahs and lying preachers are gonna pop up everywhere. Their impressive credentials and dazzling performances will pull wool over the eyes of even those who ought to know better. So watch out, I've given you a fair warning. Now, following the hard times, Jesus said, the sun will fade out, the moon will cloud over, stars will fall out of the sky, and cosmic powers will tremble. And then they'll see the son of man enter in grand style, his arrival filling the sky. No one will miss it. Say that with me, no one will miss it. No will miss it. He'll dispatch the angels and they'll pull in the chosen from the four winds, from pole to pole. I'm gonna speak for the next 23 minutes and 23 seconds. That's my clock. And I, I hope that I bring some truth to you, but let's pray real quick. Jesus, we thank you for these moments that we have together in a community. God, your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, that there you are in the midst. And so I pray today that you change hearts and minds. I know that today your word says today is a day of salvation. So, Lord, would you enter this room? Would you enter minds, hearts, and souls right now? And, Lord, we know that you are the God of miracles. So we believe that the Sacramento Kings 15-year playoff drought ends this year. We flunked in the draft, but we're believing free agents are coming to Sacramento. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. You can you guys just have a little bit more faith for the kings. I know it's hard, but just a little bit more. My my heart is hurting. Um, we just drafted somebody, number nine overall pick, and he's like five eleven. Okay, so obviously our time's running out of the franchise. All right. Well, now that I've wasted time, let's preach about it. Three ways. I'm going to give you three ways today to not waste your time um, in this life that we've been given. Now, I'm going to give you some points today. Normally, I don't do this. I, I told the 9 o'clock, um, I'm, I'm just finding myself, you know, preaching and speaking a little bit differently. And I think it's because I'm going to be a dad in like 10 days. So life's changing for me, and I'm going to give you points today. So hopefully, these encourage you. But in order to maximize every moment, number one, write this down. You've got to be persuaded of God's promises. You've got to be persuaded of all of them. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible contains 7,000 promises from God to man. 7,000. We know this. Instagram has them all. Tattoos say them. We, we, we love the promises. But what I found is that when we talk about the end time is that there is one promise that you and I, we have a hard time with. We grapple with this a lot. And it's the one where Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and bring you with me. Jesus is talking about how he, when he died, was resurrected, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, told all of us, I'm coming back. Now, a lot of us, we can't understand this. It's a hard thing. And so hopefully I can bring some insight to you today of the truth that Jesus is coming back. And we have to understand that when Jesus comes back, as I said, it is not doom and gloom. It's not, it's not heartache. It's not separation. Can I tell you that when Jesus comes back, it is the fulfillment of all of his promises. When Jesus comes back, he's bringing comfort. He's bringing peace. He's bringing joy. And when you see him, it's, it's just like there's nothing, no words can describe what you're going to feel. But can I tell you, he's going to bring you to a place of perfect completion. No more pain. Literally, I, I don't even think there's going to be a reason to pray when we're in heaven. It will just be praise all the time. Some people are like, praise God, I want that right now. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. But we have to understand, he's not just coming back for victory. The Bible tells us clearly what, what Jesus is coming back for. The Bible says that he's coming back for his bride. If you don't know what the bride means, it's his church, the church, not just project. I believe he's coming back for all of us, but the church as a whole, okay? Everybody, collectively, he's coming back for. Some of you are like, oh, man, here we go. He, he's coming back for the church. I believe that what the church looked like that Jesus is coming back for is a unified church. Now, now hear me. I think that we've had a great opportunity during this pandemic to see somewhat of a fragmented humanity within a church. We've seen that the church has harassed the church on social media platforms. We've seen Christians turn against Christians. We've seen Christians bash pastors and churches and worship teams. We've seen this. And I think that at the end of the day, if there's a world out there that's broken and not unified, sees a local church, a body of Christ doing that, why is that something that they would wanna be a part of? I don't think that Jesus is coming back for a disunified, disorganizational church. I think he's coming back for a church that's unified. And the only thing that we need to be unified on is one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. We know what he did for us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Everything else, everything else. Listen, this is why the gospels, there's four of them. Every single one of them records it a little bit differently because God's going to speak to all of us differently. But as long as it's centered around Jesus and him crucified, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, we have got no reason to bash other people. He's coming back for a fearless church. A church that when everybody else bows down, we stand up. We serve people. We love people. We don't look like the world. People walk in here and they see something different. They sense something different. They feel something different. Man, I love the moments that I'm sitting in coffee shops. And it's not even formula, but I see other Christians in there. And they light the place up. I think that that's what Jesus is coming back for, a fearless church. How about I believe that Jesus is coming back for a people-loving church. A people-loving church. I think at times we've gotten away from this. Um, some of you have your own chair in here you sit in, and when somebody else sits in your chair, you lose it, maybe internally or externally. <laughs> Jesus is coming back for a people-loving church that I'll, I'll save a seat for you, church. The church that when we're out there, it's the same as how we're in here. We're going to love people the same. We're not going to speak differently. We're not going to gossip. We're not going to backbite. We're going to love people. He's coming back for the church that looks like that, the church that looks like heaven. And we got to understand something for the person that walked in here today that's like, I, I don't even know about this following Jesus thing. Like, I'm just here because my friend brought me or I heard there's a free cup of coffee. Both great reasons to come, by the way. Um, here's what we got to understand. You might be like, yo, I'm, I'm broken. I'm messed up. You have no idea what I'm doing. I'm struggling. I'm just kind of putting on the face when I'm in here. Can I tell you, Jesus, the church he's coming back for isn't a perfect church. When I tell you what he's coming back for, it doesn't mean it's a perfect church. It doesn't mean it's a perfect person. If any of us were perfect, there would be no need for Jesus. But because we're imperfect, we have need for him, and he gives us what we don't have. He gives us what we lack. And so understand me that if you're in here and you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm imperfect. Great. Welcome to the team. Welcome to the team. We're all imperfect. Nobody up here is better than anybody out there. We're all in this thing together. And what we have to understand is Jesus is not coming back for perfect people. You know what he's coming back for? People that are in pursuit of him. Simply people that just say, I, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I love Jesus. And so, like, if I got to get my dollars out on the sidewalk, if I got to pray for somebody in the park, whatever it looks like, I'm just trying to love Jesus really well. You know how you show that you love Jesus well? You love what he loves. Yeah. Any married person in here knows that, hey, my wife probably doesn't like watching all the basketball games that I watch, but she watches them with me because I love them. And if we're going to love like Jesus loves then we got to love the things that he loves. And the thing that he loves is people. So we don't have to be perfect. We just got to be in pursuit of him. Now, as I'm reading through the Bible, just a little bit of context, the Old Testament has over 300 verses talking about Jesus' return. There's three gospels that record Jesus' return. There's revelation. There's so many different points out of the Bible that talk about Jesus coming back for us. And you know what I've found in life? That anytime there's repetition, it reveals what? Relevance repetition reveals relevance. So the fact that it's talked about so many times shows us that this is something that you and I need to talk about. If it's talked about this many times in the Bible, I think for all of us, we've got to understand if they thought it was important to talk about it that many times, I I think we should find it important to at least talk about it just one time, maybe two times. Maybe when we're in community group, maybe when we're driving home with our spouse, but we got to talk about this because it's important. And and I get this a lot, um, and I'm sure you have too, but people approach me and Honestly, I'm going to be honest when I'm out and about. Like, I don't try to flaunt my pastoral hat. I'm just like, hey, I just want to love on people. But I get one question more times than not Hey, I've got two roads to go down. I got a decision to make. Both are great options. What do I do? You ever gotten that question? What do I do? At the end of the day, listen, it's great that we have leadership. We have pastors. We have prayer partners. We have community group leaders that you can lean on and ask for wisdom and advice. But can I tell you, you can't just lean on them. You've got to know God's word for yourself. And let me give you a cheat code real quick to not wasting your time in this life. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. We might tell you, we might give you really great advice, but it doesn't mean that's what God will have you do. We might say this makes sense, but what God does oftentimes does not make sense. And you know what it's going to require of us? that if we're going to be people that say, hey, I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit so I don't waste time. You know what that's going to require? He might ask you to forgive that person that really hurts you. He might might have you live really generously when you're like, yo, I've been saving up, doing really well. I'm trying to buy a house before I get married and do all things X, Y, and Z correctly. He might say, hey, be generous because you're not bringing any of that with you. You know, he might also ask you to be just available. Can you imagine if we had a church of people that just said, God, I'm available for whatever you want to do? Can you imagine the people we'd have in here? Not even here. Can you imagine the stories and the testimonies of what would be happening out there if we just said, God, I'm willing to be obedient? Um, actually, not long ago, about a year ago, I was driving home, and there's this man on the side of the road. It was late night, probably 11 o'clock. And um, I felt like the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and say, Sam, I need you to stop and tell this young man that, that I know him, that I love him, and that I'm working on his behalf. And I'm like, okay, okay, like I'll stop. And I just kept driving past him. And I'm like, okay, God, tomorrow, for sure, tomorrow, I'll be away, coffee and me, I'll stop tomorrow. And I drive past him the next day. God said the same thing to me day two. I said, I'm going to be late for this coffee meeting. Like, I really can't be late to this meeting. If he's here later, I'll stop. I'm driving home, date night with my wife. I said, I can't be late to date night. That wouldn't make the date night well. Joe passed him again. Now we're leaving about 30 minutes later. And I said, all right, if God, if he is there, I told my wife about it. I said, if he is there, I'm going to stop and tell him what you told me. He's standing on the street corner right by my house. He's gotten even closer. I'm like, all right, like I got no choice. I put the car in the park. I run over the dude. I probably scared him. I probably scared Jesus out of him for a moment. I ran right at him. And then I go up to him. I'm like, Carly, you got to drive the car. She's like circling the block. And I go up to him. I buy him him lunch. And we're talking for a moment. And I said, "Uh, what's your name? He told me his name's John, 23 years old, young kid. I said, I don't know what your story is. He began to tell me a little bit of it. And I said, you know, God wanted me to stop. I don't know if you know who Jesus is, but he wanted me to tell you that he loves you, that he sees you, and he's working on your behalf. And tears began to go down his face. And he told me about how, how he just had no desire to live. He ran away from family. He was separated from everybody, living on his own. The funny thing was, is the last time that I stopped, I felt like God was telling me this will be the last opportunity I had. I led him to the Lord. We had a great conversation. I left. I was late to that meeting or that date night, by the way. And I, as I'm leaving, I've driven past that place hundreds, if not thousands of times. I've never seen John since. And this spoke to what God was telling me about, if I will be available to him, what he will do. Church, I want to tell you, I know that there are inconveniences, but can I tell you, when you allow God to interrupt and disrupt your normal schedule, the things that happen and the fruit that come from it will far exceed anything you can imagine. Man, I want to bring people to heaven with me, so I'm going to say, God, availability means you can disrupt my schedule. I won't watch ESPN tonight if that's what you want. Whatever you want, I will be available for you. And this is what I love. I want to get this picture. Another version of what we were reading where it says that God cut short the time. He's talking about Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. And that he's coming back. So we see that there is a gap of time now that Jesus is going to come back. I like to refer this gap right here as the grace period. I don't know if you've heard of a grace period before, but I was at the bank. <clears throat> I'm a young adult, so, you know, sometimes I'm late on payments and stuff like that, whatever happens. And uh, I was late, not often, okay. Good credit score, holler at your boy. And... Uh, I go, hey, I'm not normally late on payments. I'm sorry about this. I'll pay the penalty. And they're like, you know what, Mr. Fleury, I don't don't know if you knew this, but you can actually pay your payment and have no penalty because we have a thing called the grace period where there's no penalty. And I see this time and space between Jesus ascending the Father and coming back, how we live in a grace period how when we bring people to Jesus with them, they can have all their sin canceled, all their shame canceled, all their guilt canceled. And all we got to do is say, hey, you're living in a time now where you get to get redeemed before Jesus comes back. And this right here, friends, is the grace period. This right here is the time where we get to bring people to Jesus and there is no penalty for what they've done. There is only freedom. There is only joy. There is only restoration. This is the moment we've been hoping for. So here's what we keep on forgetting. that time is valuable. Time is something that we can't earn more of. So what are we going to do with the time that we've been given? Here's what I want to tell for the person that has been striving for perfection. That thinks, I, I don't know if I can be used. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yeah. And he's called each and every one of you are sitting in here today. It's not on accident. It's on purpose. God placed you in here. Maybe you're like, I came for the free coffee. No, God had something for you today. Yeah. I can promise you God's going to use you. And for the person here it's like, I don't know about that, listen, Anything God calls you to, he will grace you through. If you feel like giving up, if you feel tired, if you feel like you don't have what it takes, welcome to the club. He will grace you through it. He will grace you through it. You know, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I want to say this is a verse. Uh, they're not going to have it on the screen, but I want to read it. That really illustrates how easy it is to be available for God. It says this, But you are the ones chosen by God to tell others of the night and day difference he made from you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accept it, man. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to throw services. We just got to tell people about what Jesus has done for us. It is that simple. Why do you think we have community groups all over the city? It's not to preach good messages. It's not to put the best leaders out there. No, no. It's just simply to tell people about what Jesus has done for you. And when people, when people can hear about what He's done for you, it becomes a whole lot more of a life story for them. They can then tag along and be a part of that as well. Uh, point number two. Point number two. To maximize every moment, you've got to disregard. The distractions. you got to disregard the distractions. Now, I want you to hear this. I'm going to reread real quick verses um, 21 through 23. I think it's critical to understand this. If anyone tries to flag you down calling out, here's the Messiah, or they point and say, there he is, don't fall for that. False messiahs and fake teachers are going to pop up everywhere. Their impressive credentials and dazzling performances will pull wool over the eyes of even those who ought to know better. So watch out. I've given you a fair warning. Another version uses the words for so watch out as, so be on your guard. Uh, I got pumped up when I read be on your guard for for one main reason. When I I think of a guard, I think of a security guard, all right? Project Security, shout out, all right? Project Security, they don't go out into the, the city streets of Sacramento trying to fix people's problems. They don't go out there trying to solve other people's crimes, all right? It's probably a good thing. They stay back and they protect the house. They protect what's behind them. So a guard isn't an offensive object. A guard is a defensive object, right? And so if that's the truth, if if Jesus is saying, so be on your guard, meaning we got to be defensive, that means that we have to understand that we are not the spiritual police. We don't go out looking to correct everybody in their sin, condemn them, hate them, hey, repent or go to hell, doom and gloom. We don't do that. What we do is we say, hey, I'm going to graciously point you to the truth. I'm going to graciously walk with you with Jesus. I'm going to point you to where you need to go, but I am not going to waste my time going out and trying to fix everything else. Listen, there are a lot of people online on online platforms, we know this, that are condemning pastors, condemning churches, condemning Christians. And I'm talking about that. Like, if we're going to be these people, we're going to waste a lot of time. You know what I would rather do rather than go out wasting my time trying to fix everybody else that's doing it? I would rather try to help people that don't know about Jesus along the way so that they can, I can fill this house. I don't want to go outside and try to fix everybody else. I want to simply just say, hey, I want to point you to the truth. We have to understand that we are not people that go out and try to correct people. We love people. And, and you know, even along this thought, I do think that somewhere along the lines, when, when we don't truly, genuinely have an intimate relationship with Jesus, what I think happens at times, and I've seen this, to be honest, I've seen it out of myself at times, that we have people who are quoting the words of Jesus without using the tone of Jesus. We have people using verses of grace and compassion, put their turning into into guilt, into condemnation, into their agenda, into their theology, when our only job is to teach people that it is the goodness of God that leads you to Jesus. It is nothing else. So we, if we're going to be people that say, I I don't want to be the person that uses the tone wrong, Listen to me. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you get to know his tone. A lot of people walk around, a lot of Christians with their shoulders slunched because even then they don't know the grace, the compassion, the love that Jesus has for them. And so they think it's condemnation. They think it's guilt. And so they walk around like this, friend, let me tell you, it is grace and compassion that Jesus went to the cross for you. He didn't have to. He wanted to. So this is how we're going to love people, not because we have to, but because we get to. I'm going to say this. I don't want to talk long, but Jesus said, watch out for the the fake teachers, the false messiahs. Um, You know, I've learned this about 26 years of life now. I've learned this in all my years of ministry that, you know, we talk about often that it's the community that you're around. Show me your five closest friends, and I'll show you your five next years. We've all heard that probably from time to time. Um, I'd like to submit this thought to you, that who you allow to lead you is equally as important as who you have around you. Because the person we have above us, whether they're giving you marital advice, personal advice, financial advice, gym, whatever it is, when you listen to them, you begin to do the very things they do. You act the way they act. You talk the way they talk. I'm going to be really careful because who I follow is who I begin to look like. And at 26 years old, I'd love to implore you with this thought that I want to look like Jesus. I want to get around leaders that look like Jesus. I want to get around leaders that love like Jesus. I want to get around leaders that are generous like Jesus. Who you're around is equally as important as who you have around you. So, friend, take inventory. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Is it the right advice? Are you the person right now that you want to be? Single person, are you the person right now that your wife wants you to be? Because at the end of the day, who you allow to speak into your life, you're going to begin to become like. Um, I got this because as I was reading through the Bible, there was three angels. Three angels that I was reading about, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Now, Michael and Gabriel, they're still in their heavenly position. Lucifer fell. We know this. Jesus says, hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And you know why this happens? Is that Jesus said, hey, watch out for the dazzling performances, the popularity. Lucifer got to a point where he was popular. He was the best worship leader that people had ever heard. He was better than anybody we can imagine. But he got to a point where instead of worship going through him, he wanted it to come to him. And it got dangerous because his leadership became toxic, and that was something that Jesus could not honor. This is why it is very important and critical for us to understand, is this the right leader? Because it is so easy to follow the wrong things because they look like the right things. We can follow things that look full even though they're empty. Friend, we've got to evaluate. The Bible actually says in 1 Thessalonians that we have, to, we have to test all things. We have to test all things. So we have to understand, even for ourselves, am I around the right people? Do I have the right people leading me? And number three, number three, write this down, I'm closing. Expect your expectations to be exceeded. In verse 26 and verse 27, um, Jesus makes a very clear statement. Now we've all heard um, uh, the arguments, that people try to figure out when Jesus is coming back, what's it going to look like? Is it Y2K? Is it when this person's president? Jesus makes it really clear for us. He says this. Um, later on, he actually says that, that nobody knows the times of the season, so we can, we can throw that out the window now. But he says this. They'll see the Son of Man enter in grand style. His arrival will fill the sky. No one will miss it. Can I just tell you, we don't have to worry about the sun going black, the moon turning red. We don't have to wait for uh, whatever sign you're looking for. You don't have to wait for those. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be really well known. It's going to be really hard to miss when Jesus comes back. And when he comes back, I want to let you know, I've heard a lot of single people. They're like, yo, Jesus, just don't come back before I get married. Give me two more years. Or it's like the, the married people, are like, yo, let me just have one kid first. Listen, these things are great. But Jesus wanted to go on record to tell the disciples, all of us right now, when he comes back, you will not miss it. It will be so grand. I, I mean, this is what I think about a lot. Um, you, if you've ever read the book of Revelation, this is what you get from it. There's, there's a whole bunch of crazy things that are going on. You're like, If you've never read it, you're like, what is happening right now? And you're like, this is nuts. It's like, it's like, uh, like all these birds and animals. It's like, What's happening? John is doing his best to sit there and describe what he's reading, what he's seeing, what the visions he's getting. And, you know, when I read that, I'm like, why is it so hard for him to describe that? Like, shouldn't it have been simpler? And the reason why is because when we see Jesus, when we finally see him, the everything, the fulfillment of what we've hoped for, when we see that, our words will not be able to contain the goodness and the grace and the, the glory of what we're seeing. When he comes back, you will not miss it. And this is what I've learned. I'm getting ready to close, but... Uh, I know that there are some people in here today, and this is, this is really where I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me. Paul, in the Bible, he actually writes these words. He said that you're going to have to contend for your faith. In 2021, you're going to have to fight for your faith. A lot of us, we got to understand this, that it is so easy to give up when you're in the middle. So easy to give up when you're frustrated, when you don't understand what's happening, when you've been going through the motions and everything feels the same, you are stagged, and you're like, is this even worth it anymore? Paul said if we're gonna be people that do not waste time, we are gonna to have to endure. Listen, a life following Jesus should be enjoyed, but also understand me, it is gonna require our endurance along the way and we're gonna to have to fight for our faith. We're gonna to have to fight. We're in a grace period right now, but in that, do you think the enemy wants you to win more people for Jesus? Do you think he wants you to populate heaven more? No. So what's he going to do? He's not going to destroy you. He's not going to attack you. He's not going to hurt you. A lot of people think that. Let me tell you what he's going to do. The easiest thing for him to attack is your time. He's going to try to fill your time with pointless things. He's going to try to fill your time with things that do not matter, with conversations and gossip and all these things that don't matter. We got to use our time to the best that we can. And as I was reading, when, when Paul said that we're going to have to contend for the faith, I was thinking about all these things that are happening in the Bible. I'm like, why do, why do we have to contend for the faith? Number one, there's a spiritual fight going on for us. There's something that's trying to attack us, trying to attack our time. But we have to understand with endurance, what happens is sometimes we go through difficult seasons and we think, man, this is the worst. God doesn't order difficult seasons. If you've walked in and you're like, man, I'm in the fight of my life. Man, i got a medical diagnosis. Man, I've got some family stuff going on that feels like... This is just it is what it is I don't I don't know what to do I want to tell you God didn't order that but he allowed it and it's a hard pill to swallow that you allowed but why with grace and compassion what why why would why would Jesus allow it you know we, we've we've quoted the Bible saying that God won't give you more than you can handle That's not what it says the Bible says that he won't tempt you beyond what you can handle what I've realized is the reason why sometimes God allows things to happen is because trials train us trials make us better man i've learned at 26 to be thankful for the fire to be thankful for the pain because it's not until i get in that spot that i realize just like athletes who are training for the olympics right now that they have to get to a point where they have trained so hard over a period of time and they thought they had nothing left that they get into this another pocket of energy that they didn't think they had and when we are in trials and we're in a spot like i don't think i have anything left we realize that when we're weak Oh, he's strong in that place. When we're tired, that's where he gives us rest. When we're riddled with anxiety, that's where he gives us every hope that we need in him. When we have anxiety, he reminds us that he's our anchor. Trials, we gotta understand, train us. I mean, look at if we're gonna say he won't give us more than we can handle, then why Why would Paul write this? Paul was the one who wrote four letters from a prison. He gave his heart to Jesus after killing Christians and now he's in a prison more than he could handle. John the Baptist, the one that said, I, I'm not even worried that he carried Jesus' sandals. His whole life spent baptizing people and then he's beheaded more than he probably could have handled. We, we read about all these people. How about Daniel? He was thrown into a lion's den more than he could handle. Three men, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. Probably more than they could have handled. But God allowed it because trials train us. They train us to trust him more. They train us to see it from his perspective. They train us to see it from his ways. Friend, I wanna tell you today, I don't know who this is for, but his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts higher than your thoughts. And if he's leading you through something that is painful and difficult, trust me, he he only puts things through the fire that he wants to trust. If you're being tried, it's because you're trusted right now. And whatever is ahead, whatever is produced is even greater. The former, is not greater than the latter. What God has ahead is even greater. I'm closing here, but I I, I wanna tell you a story, but I felt even right now, just the Holy Spirit speaking to me that somebody in here, you gotta hold on. You gotta stand firm. You're gonna to have to endure. Pain serves your purpose. Struggles strengthen you. You know, a couple years ago, my, my nephew Wyatt was having a birthday party. He was turning nine years old at the time. And, I don't know, trying to be like Jesus, you know, and like turn parties back up. I don't bring wine, but I make them exciting again. And uh, I came to the I came to the party and they call me Fun Uncle, Funcle Sam. Um, I'm Funcle Sam, no lie. I should get that tattoo, that's cool. And Funcle Sam, they're like, yo, make this party cool again. I'm like, all right, that's what I do. So I came outside, we're, we're gonna play a game of hide and go, seek, tag. And I said, these are the only rules. You cannot go in the three restricted areas. If you go in one of these areas, I'm not sure what's back there. Who knows what's gonna happen to you? Okay, so I said, don't go there. The game goes, five minutes, the winner wins. He comes out, but on his way out, he's, he runs out of the restricted area. And as he's running out of the restricted area, he kicks over a bee's nest. Okay, now we're at a, a nine-year-old birthday party. It sounds like it's now, a, it was all boys. It sounded like it was all girls at this point. They're screaming high-pitched. They're, I, I can imagine the neighbors are probably dialing, dialing up the law enforcement team to come, like, and, and, and they're screaming. Now, I kid you not, the kid that started all this, every kid was stung. They're all running inside crying. And the kid that started all this, he's got a beast stuck in his hair, of all places, okay? So I'm like sc- trying to scrape it out of his hair, probably with more authority and zealousness than I should have, but I was trying to get it out. And I finally get out. My wife's running by, like, sheltering this little kid, like World War II, and I finally scrape it out of her hair, and it hits her in the leg, and now she's crying with all the other kids, and it's a mess. And I go in about 15 minutes later. They're all eating ice cream or something, and they're done crying, the tears have dried up, and I go up to my nephew and I'm like, I'm like, hey, how's your birthday party? He's literally no lie, he's like, this is the worst birthday party ever. I'm like, no, 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 it's like, it's not that bad. I'm like, you win, he's like, what do you mean I won? He's like, he's starting to get angry with me. What do you mean I won? And I'm like, I don't know if you know this, but when the bee stings you, it dies. And I thought, man, how how that will do for us in our faith, if we would realize that death has lost its sting over us, that the enemy has tried to hurt you, the enemy has tried to strip you, the enemy has tried to get you to quit. But I want to remind you today, the same I was telling my my nine-year-old nephew today, you need to be encouraged, up. That when Jesus comes back, that the death, the sting of death is gone. That the pain, the anxiety, the stress that you're under, it is gone. I want to use my time now to follow Jesus because only he can get me ready for that. And as I close Romans eight eighteen, it says this. I consider, I want you to say this in a moment with me. I consider that these present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is to come. Can you say that with me? They are not worth comparing. Say it, not worth comparing. The, the, what we're facing right now, is not even worth comparing to what's to come. Friend, I wanna implore you today, if you have never made the decision to give Jesus your heart, maybe you have not you've been running for a long time, today is your day. He put you in here on purpose. Today is your day. I wanna tell you that the glory that's coming, the victory that's coming, the healing that's coming, the purpose that's coming, it's worth waiting for. You just gotta endure. Bible tells us that we have to endure because there might be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I believe that today is the shifting of a new day when we make the decision to follow Him. Today's the day. So I wanna ask you to close your eyes all over this place. You've never given your heart to Jesus, and today is the day for you. The Bible says to not wait another day. Our time is short. Life is but a vapor. Jesus died on the cross for you. Life gets better following him. Everything makes sense. Today he's calling you home. Right now he's moving in your heart. He's changing even thoughts in your mind. He's calling you back to him. If you need to make that decision, don't wait, friend. I'm gonna give you the count of three. I want you to lift up your hand. One, God has an extraordinary plan for you. Two, your life will never be the same again. Three, would you put up your hand? Leave them up there, put them up and leave them up. Amen, I see him. I see him. I see him. Come on, keep them up there. God wants to see those, amen. Come on, anybody else? Amen, I see you in the back. Everybody pray this prayer along with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for doing for me what I could not do for myself. Today, I give my life, my future, my past, and my present to you. I want my days and my hours filled with you. So I give you my life from this moment on and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise for the hands that were lifted in here? Come on. Can we stand up? We're gonna go into a song here, but I wanted to do one more thing today. I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a very um, important word that I think we even talked about it in worship earlier and we can't leave without this. When I talk about being available, we have to understand something. When we're saying we wanna be available to him, that means that there are times in life where we allow things to hold us back from what he has for us. And I think there are some people in here today that the Holy Spirit's working on your heart and you you need to forgive somebody. You've held on to unforgiveness for so long that it has not tarnished them, but it's affected you. And today you need to let that go. Today you gotta let that go, friend. Or maybe here you've been praying and believing for somebody for a long time, but they have not seen it the way you've seen it. They haven't started following Jesus. Listen, I want you to put out your hands in front of you, both hands in front of you. I want you to think about whether it's that person you need to forgive. I want you to think of that person you've been praying for or you need to come to Jesus and they have not yet. A church that's alive and a church that is not afraid to pray. Come on. So I want you to put that name of that person in your hand. When you get it, close that hand up. Close that hand up. That's what we're going to do. When we start worshiping, when they start singing this song, I want you to pray for those names in in your hands. And I want you to then lift up your hands to God and release them and letting go. God, we, we, we have symbols in our hands of names and people, souls that you love. God, we refuse to be the people that do not look like heaven. So today, God, your word says that grace abounds and grace abounds and grace abounds. So today we're releasing to you, God, the people that need to know you. We're releasing to you today the people that have harmed us or done us wrong. And we're saying, God, would you do what only you can do? We are open. We are available. And we're all in. We're all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.